Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. It's the news that makes us want to get online immediately. A photo or a video went viral. What is it about certain content that gets us so excited that we can't wait to like and comment and share with others? There's a science behind virality and celebrity digital strategist Brenton Kane is here to explain it. If you haven't picked out any of his books, pick up Hook Point and then read A Million Followers in 30 Days. Brendan Kane always, always brings the knowledge and the heat. You're going to love this one. Welcome back, everyone. We've got the first time a guest has come on for the second time, Brendan Kane. Brendan, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing amazing. It's a pleasure to connect with you and everybody that's tuning into this. Thanks, man. Where are you at? Because I see a cool curved building behind you with cloudy skies. I'm in London in the old uh, BBC television center, which they turned into a hotel and residences. So that's kind of some history there if you want to look up the BBC television center, but they redid the whole thing. Now your super fans will know where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Come by and say hi. Thanks for joining us from London. I'm in Malibu. Uh, nice to talk again, man. I think, first of all, I love your books. And that's what really had had us reach out to you first, right? A million followers in 30 days. And then Hook Point. I want to talk, though, about your guide going viral, specifically about that topic, going viral. Because in everybody's minds right now, we're looking at opportunities on TikTok, YouTube Shorts. And still with Facebook and Instagram, and people are thinking, well, how can I create content that people love enough to help it go viral? Where do we start with a topic like going viral? Yeah, it's a great question. The first place to start is to understand the world that we live in today is when I started in social media in 2005, and I'm going to completely date myself, I started on Friendster and MySpace. And at the time, maybe there's like a million, two million content creators on the planet. Today, there's four billion. So there's 4 billion people on social media pushing upwards of 200 billion messages into the world every day. And that poses a challenge because there's so much content. And as everybody knows, listening to this, when you open up social media, they can only send you one piece of content at a time. Or maybe if you're watching a YouTube video, you have suggested videos and there's 10 options. They can't seed you thousands, tens of thousands, or millions of pieces of content at the same time. It'd be overwhelming. So the real key is to first understand that and understand what drives virality. And the biggest contributing factor is the algorithms. The algorithms control reach and distribution of content. Now, there's a lot of myths out there. And if you're frustrated by the algorithms of not getting reach and engagement, I completely feel your pain. And we're going to solve some of those uh, answers to those frustrations today. But the core principle or... Um, primary objective of these algorithms, which will give us a lot of clarity, is user retention. So meaning the longer people spend on these platforms, the more ads these platforms can serve, and the thus the more profit they generate. So what they're really looking for from content is content that can grab attention, 
you know, stopping the scroll if we're talking about YouTube, clicking on the suggested video. So that's step number one, which is critically important, but just as important or maybe even more important is retention. How long are people spending consuming that content? So there's these platforms have like retention graphs or average watch time on these on your content. That's critically important because they are looking for content that can keep people on the platform longer, meaning content that they'll watch longer than other content. And it's very cutthroat. So yeah. to give you an example, one of my friends, Alex Stemp, uh, just hit 20 million followers on TikTok. He's wow. the guy that um, approaches random strangers on the street and offers them a professional awesome. photo shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a great guy. So we analyzed his most view video, which was 90 million views. And then another video that was about 5 million views. And we looked at the, the, the retention graph on both. And the 90 million view, the average person was watching for 27 seconds. The 5 million view video, the average was 21 seconds. So if we think about that, a six-second differential represented 85 million views in performance. Wow. So that's the level of nuance that really goes into it. So that's like the first place to start in understanding virality of what drives it. Does that mean for, we're just starting off, should we be looking to shoot shorter videos to start or does that not matter? It's a great question. What I would focus on, how long does it tell you, take you to tell a compelling story? So like an analogy that I could give you is when we sit down to watch a movie, do we look at the length of the movie and determine whether we're going to watch it or not? No, we look at the trailer. We look at the context is, is this movie going to be entertaining for me to watch? Now, this was, you know, another analogy. This was a huge mistake that the company could be made. The company that was backed by Jeffrey Katzenberg, they raised several billion dollars mm -hmm. and they engaged some of the top directors and actors in Hollywood. But their hook wa was amazing stories in 10 minutes or less. And it's like, mm -hmm. do we really determine if we're going to watch content based upon the length? Now, there is something to say with like TikTok, we're trained that the videos are going to be short form. That doesn't mean, you know, TikTok has just ex um, extended the length to 10 minutes, but the consumption behavior with TikTok or even like Instagram Reels is inherently short form, meaning our user behavior is we're expecting, you know, a payoff in a short amount of time. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't um, extend that. Like my most video view video on Instagram is 15 minutes long. It's not the most viewed because it's 15 minutes long. It's because of the story that unfolds with that. Obviously, YouTube is different, and I'm not going to talk about, we can talk about YouTube shorts, but I'm talking about YouTube as the traditional platform. The consumption behavior is much different. We have been trained as we go into that platform to consume longer videos. People will go on and watch something for 10, 20 minutes, or in the case when Joe Rogan was you know, publishing his full podcast, on YouTube, they would watch things for two hours. So it's it's understanding the consumption behavior, but more importantly, it's not, you know, an algorithm is not gonna distribute your content just because of the length. They're gonna distribute your content by its ability to retain the largest possible audience watching yeah. more of it. I like that, man. So grab attention, 
and then retention. All right. So I, I'm sure because I know you well enough at this point, I'm sure you've taken the time to break down how do we hook people and how do we retain them? What does that look like if I needed to break it down? Yeah. So so we have a viral content engineering process. It's a creative process that's backed by 60 billion views and 100 million followers for the projects we've worked on. And the reason that process is so successful is the core of it is is research and insights. So what that means is we have a team of analysts that every day are going out and studying the best content creators on the planet, the most viral formats. And what we're looking at is the nuanced details that they're using to tell their stories. The fascinating thing about social media is anything can be made to go viral. Oftentimes people will think or say, oh, my subject matter is not sexy enough. Uh, It's not interesting, but taxes go viral, insurance goes viral, real estate goes viral. And it's really about how do we um, make the general audience care? Because again, the algorithms have so much content to choose from, they want to see your content to millions of people and still hold attention. So one of the biggest mistakes people make it's a very common mistake. It's an understandable one is people are still operating off the old paradigm of creative processes that were designed pre-social media, which is I'm going to create a very niche piece of content for a very niche audience. Now that can still work for paid, but when we're talking about organic, that's not how these social media platforms operate. So what we have to do from a hook perspective and a retention perspective is how do we make our content digestible and interesting to anybody? So I can give you some examples of that. So there is a YouTube account called uh, Clear Value Tax. So this guy has made taxes go viral. But one of the things that we do in our research process is we don't just look at the highest performers, we look at the lowest performers because we need to determine what the distinguishing factors are between the high and low performers. So for example, in this account, the low performers are when it's super niche is like, he talks about student loan forgiveness, or he talks about the Fed raising interest rates. Those aren't particularly interesting subjects for the widest possible audience, but where he really went viral was he he had, uh, I think, four videos during COVID that got over like 2 million views. And we're talking about taxes. Wow. And they were all about stimulus checks. When are the stimulus checks going to be released? How much are they going to be for? Is there going to be a second one? Mm-hmm. And when you think about, especially the U.S. population during COVID, stimulus checks were very interesting to the wide possible audience. They may have no interest in taxes, but they have interest in a stimulus check. So what he's doing is, playing to the widest possible audience, but still on a subtextual level, he's playing to his core audience and and getting his point across. Another example is a a YouTuber, uh, Graham Stephan, that teaches finance to millennials, Yeah, which finance typically isn't a sexy subject, especially to millennials. So his most viewed video is how I bought a Tesla for $78. So anybody seeing that hook is interested in that. Now, from a retention standpoint, he still has to tell a good story because if the hook is there, but the story's not there, it's not, it's not going to work. But he tells a compelling story of this process he went through. But as he's telling that story, 
he's also layering his expertise and insights. Um, one final example is real estate. So we both know Ryan Serhant. So we know he is selling properties that are 10 to $50 million. He just listed a $250 million property in New York. So his, his um, audience, what drives his business is very narrow and niche, but he gets the power of social media to build his brand and reach his targeted audience. So what he does is let me take you on a two over $7 million closet. Let me take you on a tour of a $250 million home. So the general audience is interested to see those elements, but at a subtextual level, he's still playing to his core expertise. And if he generates a, a million views on a video like that, he will still, if it's like if it's less than a fraction of 1%, he is still hitting his target audience and really beating out his competition in a way that that is sets him apart from everybody else. So when we talk about hooks, we talk about retention, it's how can we make somebody care about our subject matter, our expertise that may have never thought about it or thought that it was interesting. I like that, man. So what you're, what you're really saying is you're bringing in a wire audience through your small niche by bringing in the factors that attract those wider audiences, Right. That's why I love that example with Graham Stephan with I bought a Tesla with 78. It's like $78. Okay, I'm listening. That's a wide audience, right? Yeah. So, so good. All right. Let's talk now about the hook because you wrote a whole book on, on that. If if we were to take the key elements to creating a stronger hook to engage people at the beginning, what would that look like? Yeah, so we covered an important aspect of it, which is playing to a general audience. Yeah. And again, w- when I talk about playing to a general audience, you don't want to lose kind of what your core goals are as a business or a brand. We're not talking about clickbait here. We're not talking about, hey, if you're a real estate agent, post funny cat videos. Because at the end of the day, that that's not going to lead to building your brand. So that's one element. I think the other element that that people struggle with is making sure that you're contextualizing your hook that differentiates your information, sets a clear expectation of why your content is worth stopping and paying attention to. So again, going back to Graham Stephan, if he were to say, let me break down the finances of what it takes to buy a car versus how I bought a Tesla for $78, there's millions of videos of, that talk about the the formulas and stuff of how to buy cars. And as soon as somebody sees a title like that or thinks that that is going to be the content in the video, they're going to be like, oh, I've already heard this before or it's not interesting to me. So you really have to put yourself in the general audience's shoes of what is a way that I can position my hook the the expertise I'm going to deliver in a way that I don't believe I know what the outcome is going to be, or I don't believe that I know exactly what they're going to say. Because if you know exactly what a video is going to say, you're probably going to skip it, even though that video may have a different perspective on it. So, so that's a big part of a hook. And we talk a lot about um, pattern rec- recognition and pattern disruption. Uh, you, you have to consider that the world that we live in today, you're no longer just competing against your direct competition. 
you're competing against Netflix. You're competing against Kevin Hart, LeBron James, ESPN, Kim Kardashian. And your content has to be able to break that pattern to say, this is something that is worth paying attention to. I like that, man. And how do we increase our how do we increase our ability to be able to create content that that engages that person watching? Because I took notes here and it's, I'm looking at not giving it up all up front, but teasing them. How do we do that in a structured fashion so it's consistent? Yeah. So there's one of the formulas that the top influencers uh, use is called Jenga theory. So we've all kind of seen the Jenga, the game, like the Jenga. Game? Okay. yeah, the the what you where you have the the tower of blocks and each person goes around the table and pulls out a block. Okay. So with that, as somebody's pulling out a block, you're building tension because you're like, is this block going to tip the tower over? And then once they pull it out successfully, it releases that tension. So we have to think about content in the same way. And this is the same tactics that, that movies uses is it builds tension, releases tension, builds tension, releases tension. So with our content, if we really want to hold attention for as long as possible, we have to play that or put that into consideration. So I'm sure you either watch a piece of content or been with a friend that is super boring because it's just super monotone. It's like if I was talking about a robot and there was no inflection in mm. my content, you lose that that ability to to tell the story. Now you can give a lot up front, like how I bought a Tesla in seventy eight dollars. You know what the end outcome is going to be. Yeah. But if you actually watch that video, he doesn't reveal the math until about eight minutes in, and it's not like he's chilling it with fluff. He's telling a lot of story. The same thing with if you think about action movies like if you think about like mission impossible like you know what's going to happen at the end tom cruise is going to beat the bad guy but you still go and sit down and watch that movie because of the storytelling elements that are going in is like how is that going to happen if you and if you watch a mission impossible or basically any movie you see the, the the hero or the main character going on these journeys and building tension releasing tension it's not like and if it, if Mission Impossible was nonstop action from the first second to the last second, it would burn you out. Yeah. So it's like even in Mission Impossible, they'll start out with like a crazy stunt of him hanging on the side of a plane, but then it'll ease that tension into telling more of the story. So that's one of the biggest elements really in consideration of creating content is what is that journey that you're going on? And these journeys can happen in 30 seconds it doesn't necessarily um, have to happen quickly. Like again, my friend, Alex Stemp, the photographer, there is interesting, you know, tension and release on that. Like the first tension is built as he's approaching a complete stranger on the street. It's like, is he going to get rejected? What is their response going to be? And like some of these people, their, their initial reaction is like, who is this person? Like, this is a crazy guy that wants to take my photos. And then it releases the tension Mm -hmm. by the person saying, yes, and then you see the photo shoot happening and there's different action points in that building to the ultimate climax at the end of what is the reveal of how the photo shoot turns out. Cause he doesn't show you the actual end result until you do that. Until the end. Yeah. Oh man, that's interesting. It's, it's very similar to that TikToker who's going around saying, 
do you want a dollar or do you want me to double it? Do you want $2 do you want me to double it? I don't know if you've seen that guy, which is interesting. Same dynamic to this. Uh, all right. So when it comes to longer video, let's think YouTube and it comes to, and then it comes to shorter video, like 90 seconds, less than, less than three minutes on TikTok, let's just say, even though they've gone longer. Do both of those types of videos have the same elements or are they different? Yeah. So the storytelling elements typically remain the same, but there are certain nuances that happen. So uh, as I mentioned, research and insights is, is basically all our company does at this point. And what we're doing is when we're analyzing content, we have over 50 different performance indicators that we're looking at. So we're looking at like pacing, tonality, number of edits, first three seconds, captions, title cards to determine what is driving that performance. So our research process, what we have is it's gold, silver, bronze. So we we, we take an account, an influencer, or even a, a format, and we analyze it through these three layers of gold, silver, bronze. So gold is like the highest performers. Those are the breakthrough content performers. And then silver is like their median, like the, the average performance. And then bronze are the underperformers. So what we do is we start by looking at the, the, the high performers and look at these nuances. And these nuances can change from long form to short form. So for example, a nuance on YouTube is different than TikTok is like thumbnail and headline. That's a big part of of driving success and then also the way the story unfolds it's a little bit longer you know you can you build up the story as i mentioned with the how i bought its tesla for 78 dollars, not revealing the math until eight or nine minutes in that's typically not going to fly with tiktok you know because the expectation is the payoff is going to be much quicker so we're, we're analyzing each platform each content creator each format with the lens it's like you can't really take the nuances of TikTok and try and apply it to long form and, and, and vice versa. So the storytelling elements are the same, but oftentimes we find there's different nuances for each platform and each format that drives that level of success. And again, what we say is and it's not about really the message. It's more about the context around the message. So we can always learn, like if, if we're working with somebody in real estate, we can look at somebody like an Alex Stemp and learn something based on how he tells a story that can be applied. And I think that also catches people up as they're so focused on just looking at their direct competitors. And oftentimes their direct competitors are not doing well on social. So you can't learn a tremendous amount about it. Nice, man. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So what have you seen is is different with with those people that are doing this at the highest level versus those that are just saying, hey, I'm just test this out. No, social media is not for me. What do you see as the biggest difference on attention grabbing? Is it is it voice? Is it tonality? Is it the surrounding? It, what is it about the hook at the very beginning that grabs that attention? Yeah, it's a great question. And it can be all of the above. You know, there are some variables that need to be consistent. Like if you're shooting um, a video where your your back is right up against a, a white wall versus like your background is great. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of interesting things happening around it. So like there's variables like that, or like we talked about tonality. Are you just like completely monotone and boring or is there kind of inflection to it? Like Gary V is like the perfect example. Yeah. He, he comes off super high energy, but he does an amazing job of being high energy, slowing it down being high energy, 
slowing it down. Mm. So there are certain variables that are consistent across it, but then there's different formats and there's nuances in those formats. So for example, we broke down a clinical psychologist, Dr. Julie Smith, mm-hmm. who's got several million followers on TikTok. And I think she's over a million followers on Instagram. And just to kind of explain the nuance that we discovered is her most viral videos. And she's she's basically breaking down complex subject matters around psychology. So anxiety and depression and things like that. And there was a clear delineation in performance of the gold, the highest performers versus the silver, the low performers, based upon using physical props to express her ideas. So if she's talking about anxiety and she's like, here's three things to consider with um, anxiety, and it's just a listicle, it doesn't perform as well as like one of her videos is she has a like a kind of a bucket on, on the table and she starts filling it up with water and she says, and I'm going to kind of butcher the thing because I don't remember the exact language, but it's, you know, as the water fills, that's the analogy of how anxiety fills in the body. And if you don't release it, then it overflows and you have a panic attack or anxiety attack or it becomes difficult to manage. However, if you do things like meditation and then she drills a hole in it and water starts leaking out, or if you do exercise or focus on diet and these things she starts dr- drilling holes into this and then the, the water starts spilling out and it lowers. And we identified within that specific format using these props to convey the message that she wants to deliver really pushes up the performance and breakthrough on virality. Mm, I like that. All right, let's take that as an example. And I know that the last time we talked, you you brought up, it was facts, feelings and fun those were the major ones right there are other i think there are other three ones or i think and but those were the major ones if we're going to let's say we're an entrepreneur solopreneur we've got our own business we have social channels and let's say we pick a we pick we pick tiktok to go all in how do we have that mix in a short video is it do we just pick one of those and go all in on facts or do we bring in feelings and fun into it or how, how does that balance work? Yeah, you, you you want to express all three. So what what just as a refresher, we have a communication algorithm that breaks down the six different ways that people perceive content, perceive your brand. The largest subset of the population is feeling-based, which is 30%. So they're connecting with your content or your brand based upon how it emotionally makes them feel. The second largest subset of the population is fact-based. It's 25%. So it's all about logic, data, timeframes, and things like that. The third largest is fun. Uh, so that's 20%. So it's very reactionary based. They want engaging excitement you know, of, of what's going on to connect. 10% is value-based. Uh, so it's based on beliefs, values, and opinions. Another 10% is reflection. The best analogy I can give is like Albert Einstein. He would stare out in the window for hours on end, reflecting on the world to come up with his best theories. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, smallest 5% is action-based. So they want to move fast. They want the bottom line. They want the best. Uh, we mentioned Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. If you yeah. see him, he's running. The reason he's doing those crazy stunts of hanging off of planes and things like that is because that's how he gets his psychological needs met. So as you mentioned, we typically focus on the big three, feelings, facts, and fun, which represents 75% of the population. Massive. Yeah, which is massive. Um, and 
you know, Pixar uses this in all of their script writing and their marketing. Oh. But using the feeling facts and fun, and a great homework assignment is watch Inside Out with the characters in the head. They're designing characters based upon how different people perceive the world. But in terms of how you layer that in, it, it, it can be very subtle. It doesn't need to be over the top. Okay. So you have a background in real estate. Let's just take selling a house, for example. Most people in selling a house, they stick to the facts. This is five bedrooms, four bathrooms, and an acre of land, Yeah. which only connects with 25% of the population. Now, if I were to create an ad for selling a house, I could still start with this house has five bedrooms, four bathrooms, and an acre of land. And imagine your family sitting around this fireplace on Christmas Eve. How is that going to make you feel about being surrounded with your family in this beautiful fireplace? And do you check out the pool in the backyard? You are going to have the funnest and craziest parties and all of your neighbors are going to be super jealous. And based upon the information that you provided, I believe that this is the best house on the market for you because it's in the best school district. But you should really act now in book of viewing because this house is not going to be on the market long. So I took the same content of a house and I broke it down in the six different ways. Now, you don't have to use all six. We typically say feelings, facts, and fun, but I did it through language. It can be done through facial expressions, mm. body gestures, like uh. even your background. You have the Lilo uh, from Lilo and Stitch there, and then you have you know Harry Potter over there. Like that is That can be just fun on its own of kind of the environment and you know the tonality, the body language and things of that nature. So you don't have to go over the top in any direction. You just need to make sure you're lightly hitting it. So you're engaging the person that they can really connect with the message that you're going to deliver. I like that, man. And what I, I'm always surprised that out of the 75%, that facts is a massive one. I would have always thought that facts would have been maybe like 5% or 10%. I was just always surprised on that one because a lot of the information, like let's say we have as entrepreneurs, right? You or I, we can go through and talk about a lot of business facts and we're like almost there. We just have to add feelings and fun to it to engage more people, right? Yeah, really it starts with having awareness of what your communication patterns are. So whenever we work with a client, we have them take a communication assessment. So that data set that I explained is backed by 1.5 million communication assessments done worldwide, and it's constantly being updated. But the real the real place that it starts is understanding your communication and strengths so that you know where your gaps are. One of the most challenging one that gets a lot of people into trouble is values and opinions because it's only 10% of the population. Yeah. And typically when people are speaking from values and opinions, they speak from the standpoint of you should do this, you should not do this, which turns off about 90% of the population because it, it creates a psychological transference, and transference experience. So it takes us back to early childhood with a parent telling us what to do or not to do or a teacher or things of that nature. On top of it, if people don't agree with your opinion, it cuts the percentage down even further. Yeah. So when you're sharing opinions, you, you got to wrap it in feelings, facts, and fun. And that's where a, a lot of brands get into trouble when they're trying to you know speak about cultural shifts of what's happening in the world and attach themselves to causes or things of that nature. And unfortunately, it's also one of the reasons 
that nonprofits um, and causes like the environmental movement struggle to get widespread adoption. When I say adoption, not that people say, oh yeah, we should protect the environment, but actually taking action on it because they're speaking from the aspect of beliefs and opinions. And mm. like to give a prime example is Al Gore did an inconvenient truth. Yeah. And all of the language around that is like, we're destroying the planet. You should feel bad about it and you need to take action. Well, where's the feelings, facts, and fun in that? Yeah. It's 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 not that people don't care. It's just like you have to psychologically motivate them to take the action uh and participate. Interesting, man. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that part. But now that you're mentioning it, I do see a lot of entrepreneurs actually function in the exact same way, which is terrible. No wonder it's so dry and people don't connect. It's like, oh, social media doesn't work, right? Yeah. And it, you know, social media is a challenge. Uh, 100% because there's 4 billion content creators, but it 100% works. I mean, we do research and insights all day and we see every sector going viral. It's the matter of the context because it's completely different. If if we think back 20 years ago, 25 years ago, pre-social media, consumers were trained to basically tune into any message that they were delivered. Because if you remember back even before TiVo, you had to sit down and watch a TV show and you were forced to watch the commercials. Today, each consumer is a professional consuming content. We have so much choice that it's no longer we can just create a piece of content and people are just going to tune into it because they they have so much choice. They've consumed so much content. They, can, they literally on a subconscious level can tell within the first second if this is something that I'm willing to engage with or not. I mean, I even find it with myself, with even like Netflix. Netflix has so many shows, even because a show is highly reviewed, if I watched a trailer and I don't like it, I don't feel like I'm missing out because there's 10 other shows that I can watch. That's very true. All right, so with things changing so fast and more and more people jumping on social, which gives us less eyes, right? How do we continually change and adapt so that we we could do better on social. I see a lot of people kind of just give up and they're like, oh, it's just, it's not for me. It changes too fast or, you know, it just didn't pick up. How, how do you suggest that we adapt and grow with this? Yeah, so that's really the, the core focus of our company and helping people is paying attention to the research and insights. Now you can do this on your own, but we honestly we don't care if a change happens because we can clearly out, go out in the data and study what's working, what's not working every day if we needed to. Now, it doesn't evolve and change that quickly, but is paying attention to what's working, what's not working. Now, a lot of people will pay attention to trends and trends is a very misleading thing to follow. The reason is if you think about the iceberg analogy is in an iceberg analogy, you see the tip of the iceberg above the water and then the rest of it, the, the most of 90% of it is below the water. Yeah. And the same is with the trend. Trends, people see the top 1% succeeding with it, but not the 99% that are struggling with it. So you need to understand, yes, why the top 1% are succeeding, but you also need to understand why the 99% of people below the water are failing with it. Uh, so that's a big thing is, is really being a student of the game of what's working and what's not working. Like I mentioned, 
uh, my friend Alex Stemp, the the TikToker that approaches random strangers on the street, he's been using that format. It's got to be two or three years now. But the phone, the format is so good. He doesn't have to change he, it. Yeah, he doesn't need to change. Eventually, he'll have to evolve it. But he's been running with that format for so long. And same with like Dr. Julie Smith that I mentioned, like that format that she uses is going to work for a very long time because she's, again, telling a compelling story. Uh, It's the same thing uh, about movies. So movies, if you're not aware, all follow a similar structure. 99% of movies are using a three-act structure. They're using what's called the hero's journey. It's it's the structure of how movies unfold. All right. Yeah, it's probably been that 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 structure has got to be around for 50 years at this point. And even though every movie follows the same structure, typically every movie is using a, a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, people still tune in for it because of the context of how you tell those stories that keeps people interested. Hmm. Dude, how how do we become better story? How do we become better storytellers then? Let's say we, we because you offer this too, you could do all of the homework for us, go to the back end and, and figure this all out for us. If we're going to take this on initially by ourselves, would you suggest that we go through, let's just pick, let's just pretend I'm going to go deep on TikTok. I'm going to go through and I'm like, who do I identify with? Who Who do I think I could replicate? Do I make a list of those people and then find their best videos and then start testing that out? Or how would you recommend we start? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, and, you know, finding accounts that, that are doing well, meaning millions of views, millions of followers. And I'm not talking about the rock or Taylor Swift, because a lot of their performance is driven by external factors, meaning every movie that the rock is in, they're going to spend $150 million marketing it. He's going to be on the cover of every magazine thing like that, but people that have really grown on social media, And it's critically important that you just don't look at their high performers. You look at their low performers. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, we'll break down an account and their high performer may be 20 to 30 million views on a video and their low performer may be 500,000 views. Now, you may say 500,000 views is a lot, but by looking at and comparing their high performers versus their low performers, you will learn a tremendous amount about doing that. That's why we we created a private community where every week we're basically doing this live and breaking down these content creators because it does take time to pick up on these nuances. But the biggest thing that you can do as a content creator is to not just look at the highest performers on an, uh, on an influencer or an account, but comparing those high performers versus the low performers. And one of the other useful exercises that you can do is if you identify a format from a high performer and you think you understand the nuances that are driving it, then create a piece of content based on those understandings. And then on one side of the screen, put put the reference that you have. And the other side of the screen, put the video that you produced and play them side by side. <laughs> and you will learn a tremendous amount about the differences, but if you're honest with yourself about what's missing, what's different. Dude, that's such a great idea. I mean, probably take it a little further and say, let's say I go to one of your videos that performed really well, and then I can kind of just outline it and be like, okay, what was, how did it start? What was the hook? Let me take a look at the surroundings. Let me take a look at the voice used and the if you used any music and then what happens next, especially a short video. We could probably do this really well with short videos. Absolutely. I mean, even with YouTube, you can do it with thumbnails and headlines. Like you can create a simple Photoshop thing and put 
10 top performing thumbnails and headlines and, and, and create one of yourself and see how it stacks up against them. I mean, you could even do that with like the Instagram Explorer feed of you, you, you take a screenshot of the Explorer feed and then you start inserting, you know, your kind of first three seconds in there or your image in there to see the differences. It's, it's, it's really about the nuances that drive performance versus detract from it. Wow. That's a great idea, man. I actually wrote that one down. I'm on my third page of notes. So slow down, Brendan. Jeez. I'm trying to pack in as much value in the in an hour that I can, breaking down 17 years of experience in an hour. That's a ton, man. This is why I needed you a second time on this thing. All right. What's next for you? Because you have two books, a million followers in, in 30 days, and then you bought Hook Point. And, and you also said, last time we talked, you're like, hey, maybe if you read Hook Point first and then a million followers, that's probably the better process. Uh, and then you have this uh, sheet or this PDF uh, going uh, guide to going viral. Uh, what's next for you? What are you working on next for us as the as your audience? So as I mentioned, you know the research and insights is is really the most important part of the equation. The challenge is it takes time and energy to do it. And even if you take the time and energy to do it, learning the nuances can take a considerable amount of trial and error and experience. So. We created a private community. It's called Viral Trends. Uh, you can go to goviral.hookpoint.com. And basically, it's a community where every week we get on a live Zoom and we're breaking down a content creator, a content format, a, a brand that's gone viral. And we break it down, open it up for questions. But we also give you the exact research sheet that we created. So the exact Excel sheet with the research and then we also provide like an activation guide, a five to 10 page PDF that summarizes it. So that's kind of like where we see the biggest gap with content creators is all the things that we talked about today in terms of the nuances. And we just find that the more you can understand these nuances on a weekly basis, understand how other content creators are having success, uh, the more you're going to pick up on it and apply and, and, and increase your chances of success with social. How often are you meeting with uh, the, the this once a week? Once a week. So you're yeah. breaking down a video once a week, and you're saying, hey, "No, we're breaking down full accounts and formats, not just a single video." Oh, damn, man! How come this is the first time you're telling me about this? We, we've been we've been working on perfecting it and and getting it better. All right. Well, I'm taking a look at it now, and I I just signed up. So as I'm as I'm interviewing you, I just signed up for this thing. It's a viral trend. There you go. Welcome to Viral Trends. Okay, I'm on. You're gonna see me in there. This is this is extremely amazing to me, man. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing this. Continue to Viral Trends uh, latest. Oh, you also have the old sessions on here. I like yeah. this. Yeah, because we're building a library of different content creators, formats, things of that nature. What a great idea, man! Awesome. All right, with this then, with Viral Trends, since you've been doing this for a little bit, I'm looking at all of these. What are you noticing are some commonalities for these people that you're breaking down saying, hey, these are the common things that these people have, even though they're in different fields that allow them to be successful? What it, what are those? Yeah, at a very macro level, it's it's great storytelling. So if we break that down further is like, for example, we were we, we just did a live viral trends today uh, with this format. Uh, this and that. So it's the format, and I'm sure you've seen it, where it's the same person and they're kind of like talking to each other. So it's like having a conversation about finance or diet or things of that nature. 
And the ones that are super successful, it first starts with an interesting simplistic hook about something that can be interested to the general population. So for example, one was this misconception about you know, eating 2000 calories a day is kind of the benchmark of a diet, a healthy diet. So setting with, you know, a common either misconception or common thing that most people can get around and then letting the story unfold in an easy and digestible and fun way versus somebody that is getting super heady and, you know, talking about a deep science or thing that most people don't understand. So again, Going back to like that clear tax value, the stimulus check versus the Fed interest rate spiking. That's one example. You had mentioned earlier, we, we, we recently broke down a format around altruism, about people going up to random strangers on the street and giving away money. So the interesting difference in the high performers versus the low performers is the high performers, the content wasn't about them giving away money. It was about this human emotional connection, Mm. uh, what it means to be a human and support another and seeing this emotional reaction of one person helping out another person with money. The underperformers, it was super clear. It was the same format, but it was making about, look at me, I'm giving away money. And it was distinct. It was very a distinct nuanced difference, but you can, again, watching, and this is why when we do these live calls and they're recorded, you get access to the recordings, but we we play the high performers first and then we play the low performers afterwards so that we can talk through the differences. Because it, again, if we think about trends or a format, mm-hmm. just because you do the format or the trend does not mean it's going to go viral. <laughs> I know that for a fact, Brennan. That's the biggest mistake about like trends is people say, just follow the trends and do the trends. But you have to understand the difference between the people that are having success and the people that are not having success with it. So that's why we go through that process. And there, it's such an eye-opening experience of seeing the difference between the same format of somebody giving away money to somebody else that generates 50 million views versus somebody doing the exact same thing and it getting 10,000 views. And it really comes to the story and how they're telling that story. Dude, that's great. Do you feel like, so you said... The human emotional connection is really what allows a lot of these videos to continue to grow in their audience and engagement. And you mentioned that that's what they lead with versus the other ones that say, specifically the videos that are that are being like uh, more humanitarian, right? But specifically those people that are going the opposite would say, hey, look, look how amazing I am because I'm giving money. If we go back through your, to your three Fs, right? Feelings, facts, and fun. Do you feel like, the feelings, facts, or fun need to be part of that initial hook or no? It's challenging to do all three at the same time. It's amazing if you can. Like, I'll give you a prime example is Mr. Beast. Yeah. You know, and I'm and I'm talking about like, and if you don't know Mr. Beast, he's probably the biggest influencer on the planet. You should check him out. He's a master, ma- master storyteller and check him out on YouTube. But like, I can think of a prime example of this is from a thumbnail and headline perspective, did a video about raising money for planting 20, 20 million trees. Yeah, I remember that one. And it was wildly successful. He hit his goal. It was The goal was to plant 20 million trees and raise a dollar for every tree and it surpassed it. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember like the 20 million trees is kind of the logic. And then the feelings is around this cause that he's doing and the fun is in the thumbnail of his kind of 
face in in the background image of it. So it can be done in the first three seconds. I wouldn't say it's a requirement to do it. The biggest requirement in the hook is you have to set a clear expectation to the widest possible audience that this video is worth watching. Going back to Graham Stephan, how I bought a Tesla for $78, there's facts in it. It sounds crazy and the craziness sounds fun. And if you look at the thumbnail, I think he's smiling. So just him smiling in the thumbnail can express that. So again, with your background, your background that you have right now can be the fun. Yeah. And then you can layer in, in the facts and feelings in, in, in a certain way with it. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily a requirement okay. to do it all up front, but just taking it into consideration as the story's uh, unfolding. All right, man. I like that. I think if I could, for me, all right, because I'm always looking how to improve social on on all the different things that we're doing. Uh, the, the thing that I'm going to take away from this one is be niche oriented, but do it in a broad sense and simplify the complicated. Yes. And that for some reason, I didn't see that before, dude. So thank you. Yeah. It, 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 and specifically with your experience in real estate, you can look at, at Ryan Serhant. He does an amazing job with this. He does. He has the fun. He has the feelings. He has the facts. He's playing to the general audience, but as a sophisticated like buyer that's looking to buy premium real estate, it doesn't tone or water down to be like, this is hokey or this is cheesy. I don't trust this person because he still speaks to his knowledge of walking through these properties. And it is a fine line. I'm not going to sit here and say it's extremely easy to do, but if you really want to break through, that is 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 the key. That is the key. You are right, man. All right, where do we go and find more of you, Brandon Kane? Besides what I just signed up for, viral.hookpoint.com. Besides that, where do we go? As you mentioned, go viral.hookpoint.com. If you want to reach out and connect with our team, you can go to hookpoint.com. Both of my books uh, are on Amazon. You can connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn. I do check direct messages on on both of those platforms. I think that's where we originally connected like a few years back. Uh, it was yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, I think. it's a powerful tool. Thanks for being on again. We appreciate you. We're going to be following what you're doing next. Uh, thanks for joining us at Success, man. Uh, thanks. It was a pleasure connecting with you and everybody tuning into this. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.